First of all, we'll have a bit of news. We'll do a bit of uh, housekeeping, first of all, close to home. The first thing is the podcast. Due to the regularity of it, I've decided to make one or two little changes. They're not drastic, and they mainly concern the links. Now, before I used to do the links about news and various other items of content and things that used to pop up uh, the previous month. But, of course, if I'm recording this halfway through the following month, I think it's probably better if I do it up to that point. Uh instead of having a cut-off at the the end of the previous month. Uh, because there's quite a few links that, that get missed out, because basically I forget about them. So I think that's uh, probably one of the, the, the biggest differences. The, also, the other thing is I'm really, really going to try and make sure that I get it out at a certain time uh, a week, the third week of the month. I'm going to try that. As, as difficult as it is sometimes, I'm, really I'm going to have to try and get some uh, regularity into it. The podcast page itself, we're going to have a few changes there, and I'm also going to close down the old feed, I think, and put the archive from that. I'm going to archive them on the new podcast feed, so there'll be a few extra podcasts popping up every now and again, which are just basically the old ones. It seems a shame to delete them and not have them anywhere, so I might as well put them on just label them as old archive podcasts because a lot of the links are still relevant they're they're still out there and you might as well have access to them and hear the podcasts as well it's quite good to have them all in one place anyway then i can delete the old feed the old podcast machine feed and it just makes things simpler on itunes the other thing i want to try and do is get a player on the podcast page on the richardflintphoto.com website so that all of at least the recent podcasts can be listened to in one place. At the moment you have to click and it goes to a link and it it just tidies things up generally speaking. It's just a lot better if uh, everything is in one place uh, nice and neat and I have been looking at a few audio players that I think will do the job nicely. So expect that sometime during the winter. Uh, Ah, book. Now, you may remember that last time I was speaking to you, I'd just done the Solo Photo Book Month project. Now, sadly, that project I found out uh, last week has come to an end. They've decided to stop uh, doing the the online project each year which is very sad but it just was taking it was it was such a huge thing to undertake that it was going to cost money and it was going to cost serious money for the organizers to to do especially with a website it would have to be designed right and the bandwidth issues as well were were pretty colossal you're talking about to download on average of certainly at least five or six megabytes and that doesn't sound that big but you added up with a hundred possibly even 200 users, then that soon adds up. So they've decided to call it a day. I'm going to continue doing a project uh, next year, I think it's September. I'm going to try and keep it as close to the Solo Photo Book Month uh, rules. That is 31 days. Uh, I have to shoot 35 pictures, and I have to you know, do it 
in the time allotted, which of course is the 31 days. So I, I'm going to try and stay as close to the rules as, as possible, but just do it myself and just release it on the website. Speaking of books, the last solo photo book month project I did ended up becoming another book which can be purchased on the website. Uh, I changed the name slightly um, and the new one is called Sea Sky Sandon Street and it features 80 pictures and it's available from Blurb. There's links on my website. Um, there's a new photo book link on the home page which I've just added. I'm really pleased with this new book that I've done. A lot of people have loved the work. It was all done on an iPhone. I didn't intend to release it as a printed book. Well, I, I say that I didn't, but I, I, I realised that I could do it later. And it was thanks to a friend over in the, the US who sort of encouraged me a bit. And I thought, yeah, yeah, why not? I, I wanted to do it this year. And I had the images and a strong enough project to be able to do it. So I managed to put this book together. It's available to say, for sale. Go and have a look. There's a preview on the website. You can have a look through the book. And if you like it, well be nice if you could buy it um other considerations well twitter twitter i managed to get over the 3000 followers mark which was fantastic it's taken me about 3 years uh well about 3 and a half years to be honest uh i started i launched my twitter page in october but i didn't uh, october of i think it was 2008 but i didn't really know what to do with it for the first three months and then it suddenly came to me that I could use it to link photography links that I discovered. Um, so if you do like an, uh, a dose of photography uh, each day then I would recommend that you have a look at the Twitter feed. It can be subscribed to uh, the RSS feed, you can use that just you would like any other blog and it updates itself uh, and you can have a look through daily the uh, the links that I post. I generally post about six to eight links a day, uh, depending on you know how busy I am. But fortunately, because you can take an iPhone around with you, you know if I'm sat somewhere, I can just have a flick through and just see what other people are looking at. And often you can find some uh, some real gems of photography. There's plenty of photographers on there to follow. Plenty of big photography organisations as well, photography magazines, etc. I would really recommend you have a look at Twitter if you are a photographer. Right, I can't really think of anything else that needs particularly reporting. Um, 5.4 is the next direction for me, I think. Uh, I've been looking around and I've got some ideas what sort of camera equipment I need. And I also intend updating my digital camera as well, so it's quite busy here at the moment with equipment. There was an interesting conversation a couple of weeks ago with another photographer on Twitter uh, who was discussing the role of equipment. Kodak, no, was it Kodak? No, it wasn't. It was Nikon. Nikon. Uh, had decided on their Facebook to make a statement which I thought was a bit stupid considering they're a, uh, a well-established photography equipment company. 
uh, they decided to make this uh, statement saying that the photographer was only as good as their equipment. Now, some of you may agree with that. Personally, I don't believe with that philosophy. Uh, and I had a bit of a conversation with someone who, who did think that was the case. Uh, to be honest, I've always been a photographer who has believed that it's down to the person, it's down to the individual, it's not down to the kit. The kit can make your pictures technically better, and I suppose in some aspects of the way you work, it can open new ideas and generally push you in another direction. But I honestly do believe that uh, photography is something that comes from studying other photographers, uh, just looking at the world around you, etc. And I think you'd be rather disappointed if uh, if you ended up buying a piece of equipment. Some of us have that makes us believe that we are going to be better photographers. It's something that Nikon can't claim. They can't launch a lens and say this will make you a better photographer because one, it isn't really a measurable type of uh, thing. You can't turn around and say, oh yeah, that person has bought this camera and they are definitely a better photographer. Um, I have seen work by people who are using the best gear out there and quite honestly it is just rubbish. It is just terrible, the work that they have produced. And they are using great lenses, great cameras, but the person behind the camera wasn't particularly that great. We're talking like flat prints. We're talking badly composed images. We're talking about dull subjects. All of these things, it doesn't matter whether you have a six grand Leica that you are photographing a project with or just taking a picture of something. It doesn't necessarily mean that it will make the picture interesting or that it will be visually exciting. And I think a number of people start to forget this after a while. It's a bit like the argument um, that I made in the last podcast about why an iPhone should be used for war photography. I don't really see the difference. As long as you capture an image and you think that image works, if that works for you, then it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Uh, there's far too much uh, snobbery about equipment. And to be honest, it's actually been reinforced over the years by the digital... Um, what's the word, digital arms race almost, where you have manufacturers releasing cameras one after another, after another, after another, and people have this nagging feeling that they need to go out and buy this piece of kit. Uh, it's almost as though because they've been told to do it. We see it also with Apple products as well, don't we? I mean, each time an iPhone is released, uh, I mean, there's a new one, the iPhone, 4S, which has just come out, and people were queuing round the block for it. Uh, did they honestly need the 4S? Did their own, uh, old iPhone, they probably had an iPhone 4, would probably equally do what they wanted to do. But no, they need to have top-notch gear, because they probably like telling their friends, oh, I've just got a new iPhone, look at this, it's only just come out. And photographers are pretty much the same. Some photographers, more enlightened ones, use the kit uh, that one, they can afford, and two, 
that they uh, like using and it comes down if a plastic camera that costs you five pounds delivers the types of images that you enjoy then go to it just use that okay link time um the links are this I've got one or two there's some of these are rather recent hence for my uh, change in direction uh, when it came to uh, being able to publish link. The first one I'm going to mention is Don McCullen, and it's a BBC podcast. He's only been interviewed for 10 minutes, and you've got to be quick. So if you're listening to this podcast, and uh, I think it's up for another four days, so if you haven't seen this by something like the 22nd, 23rd of October, you are too late. If you're downloading this from iTunes uh, as soon as it's uploaded, which should be in uh, the next day or so, then skip along to the BBC website as soon as you can to Front Row, which is an arts podcast, basically. But the interesting thing is he's talking to McCullen and he's discussing his photography, but he's also discussing how he went about working in Vietnam. A few interesting little things came to light there. The first one was... He arrived in Vietnam to photograph the war with only 30 rolls of film, which isn't that much if you think about it. Also, the other thing, he was wearing Doc Martens. Uh, you're photographing a, a jungle war, um, a vicious war, and you arrive with Doc Martens. Not particularly a great idea, and even uh, Don himself actually admitted that, that they didn't do the job particularly that well. And also the other thing was he had to scavenge an army helmet. It's a really interesting insight into uh, the man himself. I really do like McCullen. Um, he certainly doesn't glamorise the profession of war photography like a few uh, war photographers do. And he admits, you know, that he is haunted by it. He does admit that it has cost him, cost him something. Um, and that's another thing which a lot of photographers don't do. They uh, often come across as being rather cold. So that is the Front Row Podcast. Remember, if you're downloading this uh, on your iTunes uh, player and you're listening to it within a day or two of uh, it being it coming out, then you'll be all right. Unfortunately, the BBC only put their podcasts on for about a week after the programme has gone out. It's a bit of a pain, um, but sadly that's the way it is. But it is... Just a, a fascinating look at a photographer discussing some of his photography but also discussing some of the elements that helped him when he was over working in Vietnam. Um, just a, a fascinating, fascinating listen. Right, this next link is from the New York Times Lens photo blog, one of my favourite haunts for new photography, new and old photography. And this is to do with um, the Farm Security Administration. Now, a lot of people will be familiar with the name Walker Evans, um, who did a lot of work for the Farm Security Administration. I would actually argue that Walker Evans is probably the most famous photographer to do with the FSA. Usually uh, that name comes up if you, if you mention the FSA to photographers. But Jack Delano was another one. He wasn't quite as well known. In fact, he was nowhere near as well known as Walker Evans. But his work is certainly um, special and well worth a look. He's done some colour work. I don't know whether this colour work is the same as um, on the Library of Congress 
uh, Flickr page. I will put a link up for that in the usual place, um, which of course is darker-skies.com forward slash podcast. And I don't know whether it is... Uh, it might be different photographers using because I think a lot of that's 5.4 um, but this could be 5.4 so I don't know whether it is Delano's work but anyway his colour work is certainly very similar to this Flickr um, archive but anyway there's a good mixture on this page the name of the uh, the gallery is Jack Delano's American Sonata and he really does capture a good cross section of American society in the early 1940s, just as America was entering the war, sort of directly after Pearl Harbor and things. Great collection of images, well worth a look. I would certainly recommend putting them up to full screen, which you can do on the galleries at the uh, the Lens blog. Have a look around there as well if you haven't visited there before, because it has a lot of gems both contemporary work and vintage work as well. Jack Delano's uh, photography is just a classic example of how they go back and look at a photographer that might either be well known or you may never have even heard of them but they, they do a great job of showing photographers who um, well maybe you, you think you know them or maybe you think you know about an organisation like the Farm Security Administration and then the New York Times will show you a new angle or a new photographer and you'll think, hey, I've never seen this before. And that's that's great for a photo blog to do. So that's Jack Delano. Go and have a look. What happens when you give a British Army soldier a Polaroid camera? Well, the results are shown in Afghan Blueys. One Soldier's Polaroids. This is on Time Lightbox, which is another cracking photography website. Just thought I'd mention that. They certainly have tried hard time to develop this, and they're doing a really good job. It's probably not as broad um, as the New York Times one, but I would actually say that the New York Times lens blog is probably the best one online at the moment for photojournalism and just... Uh, delving into the world world of photography. I know it's a lot of it's photojournalism and things, and maybe some of you aren't into photojournalism, but bear with me, there's a few links a bit later which aren't photojournalism at all. Um, but anyway, these pictures were taken by uh, an army soldier, Matt Bowditch, and he was given a Polaroid camera by his brother Tim to record what he was seeing things you know it was i suppose it was a way of trying to uh get his brother to show what was happening in his life while he was serving over there and he i must admit he's done a fantastic job of producing a document of what it's like over there and of course it isn't from the perspective of a photographer who's going in there staying you know a few months I mean you know you might go over there and spend you know six months with them but uh, even six months you know you know that you're going home in six months that soldier doesn't know whether he's going home in six months um, you know he's probably there for another six months after that if you uh, catch him on the beginning of his tour so the images you know they have a I wouldn't say that they are 
to say that they're straightforward wouldn't be actually that he has certainly got an eye for you know images and he uses the Polaroid format incredibly well I think it's just one of those galleries that you either will love or you will hate if you are looking for sophisticated images that say a lot then maybe you should go somewhere else having said that I think the simplicity of these photographs says a lot it certainly shows you how isolated to a certain extent the soldiers are over there they uh, they live in their own little encampments and things you know they don't really have to mix that much with the the locals and things and that certainly comes across to a certain extent with these images but I would certainly recommend you have a look at Matt's photographs just have a look through them see what you think it's certainly a very close and personal photography project which like I said is seen not through the eyes of a professional photographer but seen through the eyes of a soldier who's actually serving there I'll get through as many links as I can there'll also be some bonus links as well if I uh, I'll cheat and I'll add a few later on Nick Brandt um, in East Africa fine art meets conservation this is basically wildlife photography but done in a black and white fine art style I really like it it's certainly refreshing to see compared with uh, other work that's done out there having said that you know I imagine that some people won't particularly like it but the uh, framing the the way that it's been done the style I suppose you could actually say that they are a lot of these pictures are black and white portraits of the animal they are capturing something that maybe the colour images wouldn't do okay if that doesn't float your boat photographically speaking then you can take a look at the dark side of the Kalahari which is desert wildlife photographed at night by Hannes Lochner I think I pronounced that name right um, he's a South African photographer and like the title says he's uh, photographed desert wildlife at night it doesn't um, it sounds a bit daft but it, it, it's a really really refreshing way at looking at wildlife you know there's usually these very nice pictures of lions and things out in the Kalahari and as soon as the sun goes down that's it you know well of course now with a lot of the cameras and uh, digital camera technology and things they're getting a lot better in low light levels in fact in many respects they're far better than their film counterparts ever were so we're able to see a side of the desert that a few years ago would be quite difficult to capture in as good a quality as we're getting now. The favourite picture I've got, I think it's something like a gecko or a guana or something like that on a rock as uh, as the sun goes down behind it. It's just a, a beautiful image. It's, like very much like Nick Brandt's work they're almost portraits of the animal there's really really refreshing look at doing wildlife a lot some of the wildlife can get a bit tired and a bit stale looking whereas uh, both of these photographers are producing some very interesting work that is it for the links for this month's podcast I will put another uh, set of bonus links on this month as well 
I think there's going to be three bonus links. They are very good links. I would certainly recommend you have a look at them. You're probably going to go there anyway to click on these links to have a look at the photographs I've been talking about. But have a look at the bonus links anyway. There's some really, really good photography out there. The internet is just fantastic for finding new photographers and things. I do have a web link page on my website which I'm updating on a fairly regular basis. Currently, I don't know, it must have about 20 websites on there. 20 really, really good quality photography websites which are worth visiting and it's well worth having a look through because you probably will find something that you didn't realise existed. And that's it. That's it for the podcast. Until next month, take care and I'll see you all in a month's time. For more information on these podcasts, go to richardflintphoto.com forward slash podcasts. And for details about the links mentioned in this podcast, go to darker-skies.com forward slash podcast.